humbled to get this opportunity to come and uh, stand before you guys and open God's Word. Um, for most of you that already know me, um, I am currently in school pursuing a uh, ministry leadership degree with a focus on preaching, and so every once in a while, Eric hands over the pulpit to let me, I guess, practice on you guys. So that's what we're going to do this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we get started, let's open up with a word of prayer. Father God, we, uh, we come before you now and ask that you would uh, open our ears, open our hearts to your word, that you would use my feeble and weak words to encourage and uh, help us to know you more, know your word, and uh, just be encouraged and go th- uh, grow through it, Lord. I love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So um, as a dad, I have, there are things that I really enjoy doing for my kids, uh, and the the first thing is I have a son. His name is Zacchaeus. He's six, and he likes to fight me on the trampoline. Uh, he's Mario, and I am a ninja Bowser. He named me Bowser, and I pretend to be a ninja because I'm still a kid at heart, and I like to pretend to fight my kids. So, uh, so so things like that. There are things like that as a as a dad that I really enjoy uh, doing with my kids, and then there are things that. I don't enjoy doing so much, but I'm willing to do it. Uh, for instance, I have a little two-year-old named Hannah, and she still hasn't been potty trained yet. We're working on it. And so every once in a while, I have to change a dirty diaper. I'm willing to do that. It's a little gross, but I'll do it. Uh, and then there are things that I absolutely will not do as a dad, and that's where my beautiful wife comes in to step in and do it, and that's bath time. I will not give my kids baths. Nope. Not happening. Uh, there was an experience once when Zach was just a little baby, and I was giving him a bath. And uh, just to cut the story short, I essentially almost drowned, drowned him. And after that, I was like, so, um, honey, you're going to do bath time for now on, and we're done. I'm not doing baths no more. We're done. Um, but the thing about baths is our kids need baths, right? They get out to a mud puddle. They play. They get dirty. They get sweaty. They get stinky. And you have to throw them in the bath and give them a bath, right? So for the last couple of weeks, uh, Eric, Honorable Reverend Sietzema, has been uh, preaching on the topic of sanctification. And he was right. He's been kind of building up to it. I, I did choose the topic. And, um, and so I'm excited to get the opportunity to kind of, I guess I'm finishing up the series. Uh, and I had heard that he was going to start talking about Sabbath rest, but then he said he wasn't, and I guess I was okay with that because we didn't really need to learn more effective ways to fall asleep during Eric's sermons. So, uh, <laughs> and so as, <laughs> hey, you said I had a rare opportunity, and I took it, <laughs> full on. <laughs> and so this morning, uh, just as just a review, the last couple weeks, Eric is. Uh, very well taught us about how, you know, the first week he talked out of Colossians and he talked about how um, that we as Christians need to learn to take off the old self and put on the new self, that sanctification is that part of us as Christians pursuing holiness, pursuing righteousness, uh, taking off the old self of lust and sexual immorality and hatred and anger and uh, putting on a new self that's, uh, you know, kindness and all the, all the uh, fruits of the Spirit, self-control, love, kindness, patience, joy. Um, and so, uh, I guess what I'm going to do this morning, we're going to be walking through Romans chapter eight. And essentially what I want to do is talk about the roles of the Holy spirit 
in our sanctification. So we know that in our sanctification, and what sanctification essentially is, is just a fancy word to say that uh, it's Christians who are believers, uh, you're saved, and now you're pursuing holiness in response to that. The good works, the good deeds, the pursuing of righteousness isn't what saves you. It's rather out of a response to being saved that we do these good works because it's a part of God changing us. And so this morning we're going to look at Romans 8 and we're going to walk through the roles the Holy Spirit plays in in that, in our sanctification. And so before we jump in, a little overview of the book of Romans. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, He wrote it to the Church of Rome, hence Romans. And he essentially, because this isn't a usual letter because most of Paul's letters are a lot shorter, and they're talking about, um, like he's correcting some kind of false doctrine that's coming to the church or something like that. And so the letter has a specific purpose. Um, and this letter has a little different specific purpose. And that purpose is to essentially send an uh, apostolic teaching to this church because Paul, at this point, had never been to Rome. And so he sends out this really long letter. And essentially, Romans is just preaching the gospel Uh, explaining how the gospel affects the law, how it affects uh, both Jews and Gentiles. And so, um, so yeah, those are the key themes of Romans. And before we dive into chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 1. I wanted to read for you, just to give a little context, the last couple verses of chapter 7, because I think it's going to help us to uh, better see what's going on in chapter 8. And so I'll start in verse 21 of chapter 7. It says this, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And so, essentially, in this previous chapter, Paul is essentially being honest with the Romans and saying that the struggle with sin is real, that we still have a battle to fight in this life against sin. There's a side of us that wants to do good, that wants to please God, but we can't muster up the strength to do it. And so then his response to that, starting in verse 1 of chapter 8, is to say, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we see that even though we are still struggling with sin, and believers we know that we are because we all do, I do, we all struggle with sin, that even though that is true, we are no longer condemned. We are no longer sentenced to death. We are no longer going to be punished for something that we actually deserve to be punished for. If you go back into the earlier chapters of Romans, he actually very in detail explains the effects of sin on the world and how sinful we are, not just the world, but our hearts are sinful, and the world around us is sinful, and everyone else is sinful. No one is immune to it. We are all affected by sin, but in Christ, we are not condemned for it. And the gospel saves us from that. It takes away the condemnation that we so richly deserve. And so, starting in verse 2, Paul's going to essentially 
tell us four roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our sanctification. Starting in verse 2, he says, For those... For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So essentially, what is happening here is that because of what Christ Jesus did on the cross, we are set free. And that's the first role of the Holy Spirit. The first role of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification is that he sets us free. He takes away our condemnation. He brings us over from a law of sin and death. And essentially, when he says law, he's talking about a principle, right? That we are in, um, we are under a law of sin and death. The sin rules over us, and we can't escape it on our own. And essentially, what the Holy Spirit does because of Jesus Christ is he pulls us out of that law of sin and death and brings us into the law of the spirit of life. And, and actually, it's really beautiful when Paul says the spirit of life. It's kind of a shout-out to Genesis in the beginning when God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus were hovering over the waters creating life. And so it's like this beautiful reminder that Christ has set us free, and not just set us free, but he's brought us back to life. We went from being under sin and death to being under life in Christ because of the Holy Spirit. And the next verse says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. And essentially what he's talking about here is that by, by Christ uh, coming and taking on sinful flesh, and, and it says likeness of sinful flesh, so it's not saying that Jesus came down and was sinful, because that would be contrary to the rest of Scripture, because Jesus was sinless, right? And he says likeness there to explain that he took on human flesh, but was yet sinless, and that yet he was also not, like, not fully human, because he was. Otherwise, the sacrifice on the cross wouldn't work. And so that's kind of a wordplay where Paul's trying to explain to the best that he can that, like, Jesus was fully man, 100% and 100% God, which is mysterious to explain, and right, uh, we do the best we can to explain it. And so essentially what Paul is saying is that he came down and took on the condemnation that was supposed to be our condemnation, and he put it on himself. And instead of that, instead of us getting that condemnation, we, starting in verse 4, are given righteousness. It says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so, what Christ's sacrifice on the cross has done for us, brothers and sisters, and this is exciting. um, See, the law was not bad. The law was something that God gave us, and it was good. The problem with the law is it revealed to us that we were sinful. And it revealed to us that we could not uh, obey it. And so what God did then is he gave us Christ. And Christ took on that righteousness. And now because of Christ, we fulfill the law because of Christ. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who no longer walk according to the flesh but walk according to the spirit. 
And so the first role of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification is that he sets us free from condemnation. He saves us, and he gives us this new ability to uh, be aware of our sin and begin the process of sanctification. So we can't even begin sanctification until we first uh, had salvation. That only comes through Christ and then through the Holy Spirit. And so that's the first role. Essentially, it's like we've been taken out of a mud puddle, and we've been put into a nice clean bathtub, right? And so then the next role of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification is that the Holy Spirit gives us a new mindset. Let me explain. Starting in verse 5, he says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So now we see that the Holy Spirit changes and when he says mindset there, it's more along the lines of like our overall orientation and bend towards life, right? So like, um, you know, there's that verse in the Bible that says that uh, the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked, right? So like we go through our lives and we like good things happen, bad things happen. Doesn't matter if you're a righteous person or a wicked person. We don't know, like, life is just going to happen, right? And so a part of the role of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification is, is that he changes our orientation and our mindset so that we uh, are no longer living according to the flesh, where, you know, as you know, I, you think of people who don't know the Lord, their focus on life is on what you see is what you get, Right? So, like, if something good happens, like you get a promotion, right, and you're not a believer, the joy ends at the promotion, right? But for the believer, with our new orientation, our new mindset on Christ, living in the spirit and not living in the flesh, this promotion becomes something that goes deeper than just the promotion itself. It goes towards us praising God because he has provided for us. It goes towards us realizing that like God is taking care of us even though we're so wicked, yet he has still saved us and he still blessed us with this ability to do our job. And you see what I'm saying? It goes on and on and on. We can be oriented in a way, in the way we look at life, period, where it's oriented towards praising God no matter what. So if something goes bad, if someone gets cancer, if someone gets sick, for the non-believer, it stops there. There's no hope for them, generally, because they're not oriented towards Christ. They are stuck on the flesh. But in Christ, we can look past the fact that, like, it's not that it doesn't affect us, because it does, right? We're still hurt. We're still sick. But our orientation changes. We're no longer just stuck there. We can put our hope in the Lord and trust that he has a good plan and purpose for this. Do we understand why he's allowed bad things to happen? Nope. But we're going to trust him anyways. And that's a big part of faith. Uh, That's a big part of us having faith in God is that we trust him no matter what. And the Holy Spirit plays a part in that. His role is to orient our minds towards the things of the Lord, whether good or bad happens in our life. Make sense? Okay. And the next verse. Find my spot. Okay. 
news. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And essentially, Paul goes on to argue that our minds, our mindset is being uh, oriented towards the flesh, not being saved, not being in Christ will lead to death, but being oriented towards the spirit, being saved and having the spirit indwell in you leads to life and peace. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about. No matter what happens to you in this life, we can have peace because we have God and we can trust God and know that no matter what, he's going to take care of us, whether good or bad happens to us, right? For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So essentially what he's saying is, is that the role of the Holy Spirit is to awaken in us the desire to please God to begin with, right? Like if we are not in Christ, we are automatically hostile to God. Even if we try our best to please him, we can't. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. So again, the second role of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification is to give us a new mindset, a new orientation towards how we look at life in general. In role number three, I'll just read the text here, starting in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So essentially the next role the Holy Spirit plays in our sanctification is that he gives us new life. And what I mean by that is, and this can be explained in two different ways, the first way is even though we're still in this world, even though we're still subject to temptation and sin, we're still given the Spirit of God and we have new life in us. He's explaining that we're physically still going to die, we're still physically in death, we're still prone to sin, but we now have the Spirit in us, living in us, and it brings us to life. The second part is that it's a promise. Starting, it says this, for all who, whoops, wrong part, sorry. It starts in verse 11 or 10, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. And essentially what this is, is is a promise that someday we as Christians will be resurrected as Christ was resurrected. Someday our bodies will be made new and we will no longer struggle with sin or temptation. We'll no longer struggle with pain or suffering and Uh, And and in it is a promise to us as believers to be encouraged by the fact that someday this will all end. Someday we won't have to deal with this anymore, the life that we're living now. So it gives us hope now because we know that the Spirit is living in us. He has given us new life because of what Christ did on the cross. And he gives us a promise of the future, that we'll have a future life. And then the fourth role. And it starts in verse 12 and 13. It says this. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if in the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. And so essentially what this fourth role of the Holy Spirit is for us this morning is that the Holy Spirit gives us an obligation, right? He essentially says believers, because he's talking to Christians, and this text isn't saying that if you are a Christian and you continue to sin, you're going to lose your salvation. It's not what it's saying, because then that would contradict verse 1, that there's no longer no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And essentially what this text is then saying is that we as Christians have an obligation because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. We have an obligation to live for him. We have an obligation to be a people who are not just sitting in a bathtub playing in the water. So, and this kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning. Essentially for us as Christians, if you're saved, you are in the bathtub. Right? You've been taken from the mud, you've been taken from the filth of sin and death, and you've been given new life in Christ, and you've been thrown into a bathtub. Now, a lot of kids, and I know this from... I don't know this from experience because I don't give my kids baths, but what my wife tells me is that kids will sit and play in the bathtub for a long time because they don't, they don't know how to wash themselves yet, right? And so essentially, the obligation is for us to not just sit and play in the bathwater, but to actually start wanting and desiring to please the Lord. Uh, sanctification is us kind of learning to clean ourselves, but... We're not doing it by ourselves. The Holy Spirit is with us in that. See, we're not just cleaning ourselves. The Holy Spirit is there helping us, right? So, like, as Christians, we are called to pursue holiness. We are called to want to be a people who want to please God. And we begin to please God by pursuing Him and the things that please Him. So, like pursuing things that, like, as we grow in our sanctification, we begin to become a people who are oriented towards the things of Jesus. Things that uh, please God, we begin to be pleased by. Things that God is not pleased with, we begin to be repelled by and want to stay away from. And it's not just for the sake of being good moral people. It's because we want to please the Lord. Because our ultimate aim in life as Christians is to bring God glory and make people uh, see his goodness and grace and uh, please him. And so, what do we do with this? What do we do with n- now knowing that the Holy Spirit plays a part in our sanctification, right? So we've been talking about how, you know, Eric talked a few weeks, for the last few weeks, about how we as Christians are called to pursue holiness. We are called to be uh, people who are running from our sin and running towards the Lord continually. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's a day-to-day, how you live your life daily is a daily pursuit of him. It's a pursuit of wanting to know him more by reading his word daily. It's a pursuit of wanting to pray and talk to him and uh, be real and make yourself known to him, right? So here's what we do with this. Christians, be encouraged by the fact that the Holy Spirit is in you and you're not just on your own, right? He doesn't just save you and then kick you out the door and say good luck. He saves you 
And he dwells with you always through this life, teaching you daily how to live for him. Uh, there is a passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where it says this. And this is Paul closing out another letter to the Thessalonians. And he's closing. It's a closing uh, prayer and encouragement. And he says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So believers, be encouraged this morning that yes, sanctification isn't easy, but we're still called. We have to do it. But we can be encouraged by the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us and he's going to get, through, get us through it. He is faithful and he will surely do it. He will uh, bring us to completion. When we die and stand before God, he would have fully sanctified us and we will be with him in completeness and joy forever and eternity. And, uh, yeah, that's what I have. So let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer and we can go about our day. I got done early today, I think. Yes, I did. Go. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for uh, your word, uh, that you are a God who uh, uses weak words to encourage the church, and I pray that you do that this morning. Uh, help us to know you. Help us to want to grow and be sanctified fully. Help us to want to please you uh, and make you known to the world. I love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.